The last retrospective we did was good. This one's better. The difference? Showmanship. I'll get drive through. Riddle me this, riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big black bat? In an uncertain world, in a chaotic time, justice wears a mask. Back to the Waffle Press retrospective. I'm your host Diego Crespo. With me, as always, is Matt Garingo. Hi, America, and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of the rest, but okay. That's like on uh, Gilligan's Island. They would like just sometimes when they did the short version of the theme song, they would just go and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about another Batman movie. We're we're three, four, no, four, four. four down. Holy shit! This is the only. Here's this something. Is... I got. I'm gonna say it right off the bat. I am very annoyed that this movie is called Batman Forever, and it's the third of this canon of Batman films. Oof! But it works here because it's the fourth of our retrospective. Haha! Uh, wait a minute. No, it's it's four the fifth. Wait, ever. no, it's fuck two. <laughs> no, no, no! It's the fourth. No, it's the fifth. We did. Batman 66, two Burton Batmans, and then Phantasm. This is Batman, the Batman 5 ever? Fuck you. <laughs> uh, Tim Burton did not return for, for this outing of the Batman saga. You got Neither a producer, did anyone producer else. credit. Producer credit. Um, yeah, he, got, he, he was an executive producer. Nice little fanfare at the beginning of the film. And uh, who took over the reins was renowned filmmaker Joel Schumacher, who nerds on the internet are definitely not so angry about uh, taking over this franchise. Yeah. Um, I guess I should... One thing I want to get out of the way. <laughs> um, I don't like this film. This is, a, <laughs> this is a bad movie. But... Like, um, I... It's so hard. It's become weird to talk about movies you don't like on the internet because it seems like everyone is like, you got to be like angry nerd man. And it's not like, like, this isn't the worst thing ever. There's a lot in it that is very fine. And I'm not <laughs> here to be like, ruin the Batman and the sanctity of Batman and uh, my childhood and tatters. Uh, I, I just don't enjoy this film. <laughs> um, that, yeah. that being said, I would maybe recommend it. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll hold off my thoughts for a little bit. Uh, some more of the history before we get into, like, the amazing Spider-Man 2 of the Batman franchise. <laughs> oh, um, no, no, this is much better than that. <laughs> I, I regretted it as soon as I said it. I was like, no, nah, I can't sit through that one anymore. Because <laughs> here's the thing, I remember shit from this fucking movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the big one. Um, all right, so Tim Burton, who basically didn't even want to come back for Batman Returns after the studio hedged him on and said, "Hey, just make it make your Batman movie as a Tim Burton movie. You just have Batman in it. Who cares?" And you know, we loved it. A lot of people still kind of struggle with it as a Tim Burton movie. Um, but Tim Burton was basically burnt out. He didn't get. Uh, I, I don't a, know in terms of, like, the relationship with the studio, but they were basically, like, 
it was a mutual breakup by that point. Yeah, well, I think that the box office from Batman to Batman Returns was a bit of a downturn. Like, it wasn't a bomb, but it wasn't the hit that they were expecting. And I think that it maybe got in the way of, like, promotional tie-ins. I think that movie, because of its its subject matter, affected a lot of brand tie-ins. Because this movie is fucking heavy on the brands. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like a major course correction. Yeah, well, I could, I could almost guarantee that the, the joke I did at the beginning with I'll get drive through, which is a line in this movie, <laughs> uh, there's got to be like a Burger King ad out there somewhere where they just cut to Batman saying that as a oh, tie-in. Oh, yeah, that, that's tailor-made for that. Like, you know, there's so many moments in this that you can tell were made for like, not just movie trailers, but for like tie-in material. Like, even your line, like, your entrance was good, his was better. Like, that feels like something they could have used in an ad somewhere. This entire movie, and not to get too ahead of our discussion for the next episode, but both movies very much feel not, maybe not cynically corporate, but very, like, mandated. You know? This one feels mandated. very, very accessible. Batman and Robin feels much more cynical in that department. (laughs) (laughs) Um, where we start getting like multiple bat costumes and bat vehicles that are clearly just there to sell toys oh oh but that is here too it's here too it's definitely here but it's not as egregious it's still kind of egregious yeah but i mean batman and robin like kicks it up to a whole nother level um but yeah it was a burton's burton's time ended with it and so did um michael keaton michael keaton decided not to return um Citing the uh, changes in the tone of uh, the franchise, which I get. Yeah, uh, tonally, this one's all over the place. But some, I, I'm actually really interested in like the the in between of the the handing off between Burton and Schumacher. Not so much a handoff, I guess, as much as like a like a hail mary pass. Because <laughs> um, the the script notoriously is kind of what also put. Keaton out of it, like, he's he's not been shy about his feelings about the direction of the series, and neither has Burton. He hates the title of Batman Forever, which I kind of get, but the the rumored title, I don't, I, I haven't found any place to verify this. The rumored title was Batman Continues, would have been his third film. Mm. And I think that's way worse. Yeah, that's That not, might just be that, me. That's a, uh, not great. Although I remember yeah. when I first heard Dark Knight Rises, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah um but and then he literally rises in the movie so i was like oh okay sure <laughs> yeah like like but, as long as it's like related to like the actual content of the movie like thematically or character wise like i'll be like yeah all right whatever i read that problem. burton had a problem with that like the, the title was like very focus tested which is something i also kind of find i understand the frustration can you imagine like sitting through like multiple meetings trying to decide the fucking title of a movie <laughs> <laughs> I would like just you could have sent an email. Yeah, like like just let me make my movie, call it whatever you want. I don't give a fuck if anymore. Put, if you put fucking Batman in the title, you're gonna sell tickets. Yeah. <laughs> um and there was also some uh some tragic departures as well with Billy D. Williams who was not able to reprise his role as Two Face with Tim Burton leaving the project. Didn't they buy uh, did they buy Billy D. Williams out of his contract? I actually don't know the details behind that. I think that one kind of just withered away. I remember hearing that, that they bought him out of it, um, but I'm not sure if it's true. And I, yeah, I believe I, I that, so. I believe there's there's always rumors that, like, 
hey, this, the first few scripts would have done Two-Face with Billy Dee Williams, but I don't think that ever really happened. I think the studio really wanted to go in a different direction, like completely different direction. So, like, I think we're like... Like I said, with Batman Returns, Burton was like, I'm not sure if I want to return, and the studio threw everything at him. Um, this time he's like, I'm not sure if I want to do it, and then they were like, okay, fine, bye. Yeah. There's a quote from him saying, like, talking about it in recent years where he was like, you know, like, I was pitching them ideas, I, I heard him out one last time, and then, like, an hour into the meeting, I was like, you guys don't really want me here. And they're like, no, 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 we do. And he's like, no, you don't. And like, <laughs> <laughs> They're just calling them on their bullshit, you know, and I, I kind of admire that. Yeah. And he was too busy. He was making Ed Wood at the time. Pete, the, the peak of uh, Tim Burton's career. Uh, so. Probably, yeah. I had a hard time arguing against that. Uh, also in the running for, uh, I think we brought it up last time in the, in the last Tim Burton episode, Marlon Wayans as uh, Robin. Yes. Which did not happen... Twice, because he was he couldn't he couldn't do it in Batman Returns, then he couldn't do it here. Yeah, they they did a costume fitting for him during the production of Returns, but then they just didn't even bother. <laughs> for you, I think there's a if you look at the cast, because here we got we got Val Kilmer as Batman, Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face, Jim Carrey as the Riddler, Nicole Kidman as an original character named Doctor Chase Meridian, and Chris O'Donnell. I just want to say Chase Meridian is such a goofy. Like comic book Batman name that I I I love it, but it's we'll get more into that character. She's certainly chasing someone. Hey, you. and then Chris O'Donnell as Robin Dick Grayson, um, and this was like at the peak of like a lot of these people's careers. <laughs> um, like I believe Tommy Lee Jones just got an Oscar like right before this. Oh yeah, like. Uh, right before i forget the release date and his oscar win but it is not distant yeah like he just he was just hot off the fugitive chris o'donnell was off of uh son of a woman which was a big hit this was carrie post ace ventura and the mask i believe oh uh, shit yeah um bell kilmer um i think this is post tombstone and the doors nicole kidman i i don't know what she was days of thunder at this point i think uh, wait, wait, was Val Kilmer also, was this pre-Heat or before? This is the heat? same year as Heat, and I think okay. Heat came out, like, slightly after it. Oh, okay. Uh, also, he was able to bounce back fast, because Heat's, yes. like, you know, one of the best movies ever. I'm, I'm pretty sure he could have been a good Batman if had, he had a completely different script. Oh, I, I have, I have things to say about Val Kilmer. Um, the only, the only returning people are, uh, Pat Hingle and Michael Goh as um, Commissioner Gordon and Alfred, which is not not in a bad way. Just odd that they're the through lines for all these movies. I don't mind Alfred, but fucking Commissioner Gordon is like the worst cop in this film. <laughs> He's so useless. Like, why bring him back? I don't. I don't understand any of the decision making in any of these films, for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. uh, and the one sad thing I want to bring up is that Robin Williams, like. Was dying to be in a Batman movie for like oh, yeah. ages, and he just was never able to before his passing. Unfortunately, he would have uh, been a and... tremendous Riddler. Oh God, he would have been the best. Yeah, I know. I, I believe the story is that they kind of like blew smoke up his ass for the Joker in um, the original Batman, Tim Burton Batman, but they never really intended to cast him. They were just using him to like get Nicholson's like 
price down. I believe that is true. Which is a shame. But again, he would have been much better here. And I think, like, this just shows you how quick, like, the Hollywood machine shifts. Because I think this is, like, two, three years after Mrs. Doubtfire and shit like that. And this is when Rob Williams is, like, doing, like, shit like Patch Adams when he's kind of on a downturn. Like, just that probably was enough for the studio to be like, no, no, we're going with uh, the new guy. God, that sucks. Nothing against Jim Carrey's, like, in Jim this. Carrey, Jim Carrey <laughs> is brilliant at moments in this. And then, and other times he, uh, every, every one of his scenes goes on like five seconds too long. <laughs> I'm just going to say it here. All, like the, like the movie itself, he's all over the place, but God fucking damn, he entertained the shit out of me in this movie when nothing else did. I guess. Yeah, there is that, but there, there are a lot of like, like clangers in terms of jokes. Oh no, there, there totally are, but he's just, he's too crazy, not like to, for me not to love him yeah and uh that if someone came to me and was like they, they tried arguing like oh this performance is actually bad because of x y and z and be like yeah you're probably right like and here's something <laughs> here's something i want to say i want to take all the people who complain about jokes in the last jedi <laughs> and slap the shit out of them and make them watch this <laughs> because this is a movie where literally like every other line is a joke <laughs> Boy, does it get tiresome at times. Yeah, it's more exhausting than I remembered. So yeah. I think that, that kind of covers the history. Do you want to go over anything else there? Um, just that, like, well, I mean, we, it was written by, a, like, a married couple. Um, Lee and Janet Scott Bachelor. they did the first draft. And it was revised by Akiva Goldsman, who's never written a good film. <laughs> I've uh, heard, uh, what's that one movie he did? Like, Beautiful Mind or something like that? Yeah, not a good it was movie. actually good. Not a good movie. It's, Oh, okay. It's one of those Oscar it, winners. Yeah, it, it, the closest he oh. has to a good movie is Cinderella Man, which is watchable. Okay. Um, he he got in good with Ron Howard at some point because like Ron Howard used him on like a dozen films, including the Ron Howard produced Dark Tower film, which I believe uh, I think Goldsman might have directed that. Um, like that was going to be his like directorial debut, and it just bombed because um, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> Yes, they they got some like some European directors. This is how the okay. Hollywood system works nowadays. Yeah. When they they want to like make a, a quick turnaround on a, on a big blockbuster that they want to launch to a franchise that that will inevitably fail. By the way, mm-hmm. they either pick out like indie directors who have made stuff for less than a million dollars so they can kind of push them around, or they go overseas and try to pick someone who they can get under a million dollars that they can kind of push around. <laughs> And they did that for The Dark Tower. If anyone in those two categories is listening to this, don't sign on to a film that's been in pre-production for at least six months. <laughs> like, you gotta be there from the beginning. Like, don't don't jump on late, because they're, they're gonna fuck you. Yeah, and, yeah, Akiva Goldsman is, is a, an awful, notoriously awful writer. I yeah. think he has a deal with the devil. Um, that devil like, might be I, Ron I, Howard. Um, well, like okay like maybe maybe he's like a, a great guy like a nice guy to work mm-hmm. with even you know no i'm but, sure he's a fine person i guess i don't know but he's like i said he's tied to ron howard ron howard had a lot of heat for a while and he's written a lot of ron howard's most successful films but they like i'm not a fan of any of those films <laughs> and i believe he has an oscar nomination for uh a beautiful mind yeah uh, uh, he won Oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. The Academy just makes some weird... Sh- you know what we gotta do? Yeah, you go. 
We got to stop Netflix from competing in the Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) That'll solve everything. That'll fix all of this nonsense. Oh, I, I'm like so tempted to start going in on that, but we'll never get this episode done. So yeah, I we gotta, won't. Um, yeah, because <laughs> that's fucking layered. We also uh, got music by Elian, Elliot Goldenthal, who uh, yes, he's done I, a bunch that's the of, first thing in my notes. Yeah, he's done a bunch of Michael Mann and uh, Julie Taymor films, including Heat, and he did Alien Three. Yes, that's why. Uh, there's there's a recurring theme from that movie brought into this movie. Uh, it's tragically like the worst scene in Alien 3, the, mm-hmm. uh, the attempted sexual assault scene. Mm-hmm. The, the music doesn't fit in that movie at yeah. all. But here it's, it, it like, it's, it fits very well at times, his music. And then other times it's like odd, but I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't put it on him. That's, it's, that's just kind of the movie's thing by that point. There are moments, honestly, I'm willing to bet. Cause like, here's the thing. Uh, another thing, this movie is nom was nominated for best cinematography. Um, which is which just talks shit about the academy i'll i'll respect them no i do I, a lot of rick baker did the makeup i don't know the production designer is a guy named uh, barbara ling who he worked on true stories and like he has nothing really notice notable on his uh credits but he he is working on tarantino's new movie which is interesting <laughs> um but uh like everyone showed up to do their job but this movie entirely falls apart in direction and writing like, it's, that's where it fails literally everyone. Like, the cinematography is trying really hard to be, like, stylized, and I'm, I'm guessing that was at Schumacher's behest, but he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> like, the sets in this are, like, really, like, arch in a way. Like, there's, they actually, the first shot of the Batcave is, like, shockingly similar to the 60s TV show. Like, it's somewhere between the 60s TV show Batcave and the Burton Batcave. But it is shot in a way where it just looks like a big open room. <laughs> like, like it, it just, you keep running into problems like that where it's like, the two, Two-Face makeup looks all right, but it, the way it's shot, dude. Like, the way the camera, like, like there's so many Dutch tilts in this. It's just... It's, it's weird because at times there's even, like, an energy to it. It's misplaced. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's keeping things going. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is working, but... I'd be lying if I if I didn't like have there, a good time during most of it. There are moments I did not have a good time, but there are moments okay. that are like bursts where you're like, "Oh, that was good," and then they are immediately gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would say there's never two good moments directly in a row. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm I, willing, I can, I'm can roll with that. that. Uh, uh, I I do want to praise more of the art direction really quick because mm-hmm. like. The production design, it feels like it should be the greatest thing ever. Or at least, like, one of the most interestingly, like, designed films of the 90s, especially. You you do have, like, this, this almost techno-style gothic that, like, this dark evolution of the Burton era stuff. But then you have, like, laser tag aesthetics, and it's like, none of it all fits together even. Yeah. It's just all kind of, like, at once happening to you. And I, I don't know. I, I admired it, but I was like... Why? This has a lasting impression in my mind because I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, theme parks. And uh, all the Six Flags Batman rides took cues from this. Like, all the architecture built around those Batman rides is, like, from the Schumacher films. And that's exactly... That's the good thing in the universe. That is the one truth to the universe. That it's, something could work out that well. Because that's exactly what these movies 
should have been. Like, yeah. really fun, weird rides. They, yeah, they could have worked as a... I mean, honestly, it does also feel like... Have you ever been to Universal, Florida? Um, no, no, or, I haven't. I've never ca- been to Florida. Um, have you been to the one in California? Yeah. Or, did you go on the Spider-Man ride? Because it feels a lot like the Spider-Man ride at times. Uh, no, no, okay. I did not. Um, I was a coward. Oh, man, it's not hard. It's not a roller coaster, man. <laughs> no, okay, I don't know. I, don't, I, I never went. I, oh. I don't think we had one. When did you go? I've I've gone like every year and since I was like twelve, but I don't think we ever had a Spider Man ride. I, I I'm pretty. I thought you had a Spider Man ride at Universal Studios. No, no, I don't think so. Okay, maybe I'm, it, it ride it. It's actually a really cool ride, and I'm willing to bet it. If it's only in Florida, it's not going to be there much longer. <laughs> because at some point, uh, Disney's going to get those Marvel theme park rights. Yep. Which if they do, Disney, I know you're like you suck at everything when it comes to theme parks right now. <laughs> Because you're just doing a fucking terrible job. That even though Star Wars Land looks cool, but you're gonna fuck it up. I just know it. Um, just just take the Spider-Man ride from Universal and just put it somewhere in the park. <laughs> like, just take it apart and move it. Your entrance was good. His was better. Love is a game. What is it about the wrong kind of man? car right chicks love the car power is a machine now you've devised a way to read men's minds by the way i've seen your mind freak and revenge is a trap you're a genius riddler and two-face can make a pretty lethal combination train me let me be your partner who's your tailor but first Let's meet our contestants. All right, so the basic synopsis of this movie, Batman has to fight the Riddler and Two-Face. And the has end. To deal with, and, it, <laughs> and has to, to deal with an insanely, aggressively uh, horny therapist who wants to get inside of his bat suit. And Robin's says. here. And Robin is also here. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the plot. Um, honestly... Dr. Chase Meridian's unstoppable quest to have sex with Batman is probably the most interesting plot line in this film. It, You know what? It kind of is. <laughs> but it's also like, what a terrible therapist. Yeah, I mean, this was clearly like, written oh by... Oh, boy. This is written by sad people. <laughs> this is written by sad, lonely men who have been divorced multiple times. Yeah, but also, I gotta say... This, it's honestly perfect. The idea of Batman fucking his therapist is perfect for that character. <laughs> oh, no. It's great. So in uh, American Cinematic Masterpiece Bad Boys 2, there's an early joke where after the fallout of the opening action scene, uh, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith's characters are comparing like their previous experiences. Like, how come Martin Lawrence is always the one who gets hurt, right? And they're like, oh, we both had to go to therapy. And then Martin Lawrence goes like, oh, yeah, well, I'm not the one who like banged my therapist. And that makes sense because Will Smith's character in that movie is also like a raging psychopath, but he kills people. So it's also like Batman, you know? It's the perfect mirror. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was just throwing it out there. (laughs) Because, I mean, when when you're a very sad person in life, a very sad man, I should say. Although I'm, I'm, I don't want to be too gender specific, but it seems to be mostly men. Where you want women to be 
an object of sexual pleasure, but you also want her to carry all your emotional baggage <laughs> while also being strong enough to not force her emotional baggage onto you. <laughs> and that's what Batman is. That's why Batman's appealing. Because <laughs> Batman's allowed to have baggage, but any women that do, it's a problem. Batman also has a butler who will cook and clean for him, so... That's how you, you keep your room clean. I bet I'm going to fucking hate Batman by the time we're done with all these episodes. You should. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. I love Batman, but I also understand enough that Batman is not a respectable human being. No, yeah, like, you know the thing about, like, you know, for all their flaws, superhero characters are generally good role models or whatever, mm -hmm. right? For kids, like, kids should look up to them. No human being on the face of the planet should look up to Batman. yeah. Batman's just a really, like, that's why I kind of like, even though Frank Miller completely lost his mind, <laughs> I really like his take that uh, Batman should be, like, the like the one member of, like, the Justice League that everyone's, like, begrudgingly friends with. <laughs> like, he's always causing more problems than he is helping. He's like fucking McNulty in The Wire. Like, <laughs> he's like a fucking problem. And he's a disaster everywhere else, but in, when it comes to fighting crime, he's good. You disappoint me, Nigma. Exactly. I had such fucking hopes for us. You disappoint me, String. I had such fucking hopes for us. Have a nice day. Yeah, this movie, there's not much of a plot to this film. Which, honestly, I think is is to its benefit. Unintentional. But I think if for, for people that are interested in checking it out, and because they've never seen it, I think it's an interesting relic, or like, uh, yeah, an interesting relic of the 90s. Because something like this, this kind of disaster could never be made today. And if you check it out once, I think there's a lot to to take away from it in terms of just like entertainment and like, man, I cannot believe that a movie this bizarre and like tonally awkward was released in theaters and I, it's a Batman movie. I guess. I don't think it's that unique of an artifact though. Like this was an era of like really weird comic book movies. I mean, you have like the mask, like the mask hasn't aged well, but it's more interesting than this. Um, I actually haven't come back to that since I was a kid. Oh, go! It's worth checking out. Um, like it's not per; it's very cheap. <laughs> but is it like Ghostbusters? A little bit. Okay, hold uh, on. But uh, it's it's it's. I would say that's more interesting in terms of like the superhero thing. Um, I just this, like the 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 designs a lot. In this, this just it, like, it like somehow it feels like odd yet generic <laughs> like it's one of those where because this is it's they 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 aped raiders of the lost ark like not that most most a lot of action movies aped raiders of the lost ark die hard and lethal weapon <laughs> like that was what the 90s was kind of dominated by but uh this one's very where we get right in there with an action scene we open really quick and an action scene that is like barely connected to the rest of the film um, I mean, we do get the villain that will be the mainstay, but, uh, 
Not that anything that really happens in this moment matters. Yeah, uh, like, uh, I'm kind of all for, like, the James Bondian style, uh, like, cold opens, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's got to it's gotta have some something to it, you know? And I would say I have to disagree with you in that the lack of a plot actually makes this, like, a better watch. I, I disagree, because I, I would say about 15 minutes in, you get the gist of everything, and then you realize you have an hour and 45 minutes left of the movie. Because <laughs> you know exactly where the plot is going. Like, if you've seen a, if you've seen the poster and you make it 15 minutes into the movie, you know how the whole movie's going to play out. Yeah, so that's true. There are no discoveries to be made. And this movie's about nothing. It's it thinks it's about the duality of Batman and trying to live with that, but it's not. <laughs> and that's a fascinating idea cuz uh one to to go back to the pre-production like issues it had, maybe not issues, just stuff didn't work out. Uh Michael Keaton's what he talked to the the WB execs about was that he really wanted to see like a Batman Begins style origin is what he was describing before Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. And the, the studio was like, nah, we're not really... He could tell they weren't really into that. I think they were just done with him and Burton, like, entirely. Yeah. They really wanted that clean slate you brought up. But, like, uh, he he was aware of what people wanted, too. Because I think if you you told that kind of story with, like, a, a stronger, defter hand at this period in time, you, you could have had a pretty good movie. Sure. And I, I think uh, even if it was, like, Val Kilmer, and the same crew... Behind it, right? Except for Akiva Goldsman. Except for Goldsman <laughs> yeah. and, and someone on set to, like, strangle Joel Schumacher whenever he's doing <laughs> stupid shit. But I, I think it could have made made a real gem. It could have been something. I mean, Joel Schumacher's made passable films. Yeah. Um, I've My, my favorite is probably always going to be The Lost Boys. I don't know how you feel about it. I like Lost Boys. All right, um, yeah. Lost Boys, Lost Boys kind of turns into, like, a dumb haunted house movie at the end. Oh, yeah, but I love dumb but, haunted house movies. But I will say that has – Lost Boys has the best last line of any movie I've ever seen. It's so good, though. I wish it was in a better movie. <laughs> like, that line is, like – that's, just like, what is perfect for a different film. And I like Lost no, Boys. No, no. Lost, uh, Lost Boys kind of rolls. It, it's, not, it's no near dark. I'm just going to straight up steal that line. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make some other movie with like fucking vampires or something else, and I'm just gonna steal that last line and not hide it in any way, <laughs> and <laughs> and end it with a door song. A lot of a lot of bat imagery in that, obviously, because of vampires. But there's a there's a real, almost kind of surreal quality to moments in this one too, and they don't really work, but they kind of they open my my mind to like what Batman movies could have been. Yeah, now we're never going to see something like this, you know? Well, that's the thing. This movie, these two, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, embraced stylism in a way. And, like, the pop art comic book thing. In a way, I love I love that there's more than, like, just three colors. Oh, yeah, God movie. bless it. Like, but it's almost... He doesn't know when to do these things. <laughs> and it utterly fails here, and then it fails so spectacularly in Batman and Robin that it has turned audiences against the idea of any color in a Batman film. And like, honestly, I think like, it's so it's so stupid with like the whole like fucking bat nipple controversy we always hear about that doesn't matter in any conceivable fashion. <laughs> but like. 
there's there people call Batman and Robin gay so much that like they've been terrified. The studios have been terrified that anyone will think any of their superheroes are gay. <laughs> and guess what? Superheroes are fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Dudes running around in flamboyant spandex, it's fucking gay as shit. And we need to <laughs> embrace it as a country. As as the world. Yeah. I think we just need to see Batman and Superman, like, bone it out at some point. Fucking get rid of the military shit. More gay shit. Yeah, ooh, that's a subject we gotta yeah. talk about at some point. Well, yeah, we'll be, we'll be talking about it yeah. when, we, when we get this. well, we'll be getting with it with Nolan. So. We, we do get a little bit of it with Nolan, but No, we get a lot heavy. of it with Nolan. <laughs> it's uh, significant in, um... One of the last ones we'll talk about. Oh, yes. I think the last one. Or second to last. Yeah, now, you know what? The one, the, 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 the problem is the last guy just didn't hide the fact that it was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, got, I got thoughts. I already have notes for that movie just yeah. from, like, articles I've attempted to write about it and decided not to kill myself. The whole opening, again, it's very similar to the 60s TV show. Like, to the point where I'm pretty sure they were directly trying to emulate it. And I'm not, that's not like a knock. I love the 60s series, but they're not smart enough to do, like, has like, sometimes this movie is very clever and arched, like it, it leans into the goofiness, like deliberately, and other times it's just stupid. Yeah, it's really just totally inconsistent is, yeah. the, is the only thing that kind of comes to mind where I think Joel Schumacher does get a bad rap for being like a, a bad director because of this and Batman and Robin, but... When, and, he, when he works, he's, like, really entertaining. Yeah, but he's made a lot of movies that I would say were bad. Um, I, I, I'm not a huge fan or anything, but, like, like the, the Lost Boys, I'm going to go back to that. I, I, I truly believe he's one of the most, like, entertaining it's entertaining, genre but, flicks. But I'm not sure, like, when I – I loved it as a kid, but once I've gotten older and I've seen, like, you know, Near Dark and, like, Fright Night, like, it starts, like, being, like, one of the lesser ones of that era, you know? It, it's sure. it's middling. When you put it up against Fright Night and Near Dark, anything's going to be middling. But that that movie's got a lot of great stuff in it. What I'm saying is, at best, Joel Schumacher's middling. I don't think he's Aww. that... I mean, it, he seems like, from every interview I've seen with him, he seems like a really nice guy. I mean, I don't fucking know. Maybe he's like a fucking horrible asshole. Yeah. But, like, even, like, everyone that's worked with him, except, like, Tommy Lee Jones, um, has said good things about him. Uh, Jim Carrey went to work with him again on another movie, um, a terrible film called The Number 23. Oh, boy, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's not good. No, no. Uh, uh, I will also give credit to Falling Down. Not a great movie. There you go again. But um, a mutual friend, Sean, recommended it to me a couple years ago, and I finally checked it out, and I was like, yeah, that's that pretty good. I don't like Falling Down. Okay, well... I don't know. I don't know. That movie, like, rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> That's fair. Like, I just see the Bush administration coming in. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just saying, like... Hell, now, I, I, if I went to revisit it now, I'd probably see the Trump administration in it. But that could just be me. I, I inject mm. politics into everything. It's impossible not to. Except this fucking movie, because there's nothing in it. <laughs> No, that's the thing. It's just pure expression. What are they expressing? I I don't know. Horniness a lot, a lot of the time. Fuck all. <laughs> Literally, fuck all. I mean, yeah, it's just, 
And again, they don't even lean into the fucking horniness that much. Like, I would get, like, just doing a fucking movie where a woman wants to have sex with Batman, I get it. I know a lot of women find Batman sexy. Which, all right. <laughs> I kind of Live your it. truth. Live it, your truth. Yeah, whatever. I'm not, not me. Keep him the fuck away. <laughs> Everyone's got a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's, there's always somewhere you know that it wouldn't work, but goddamn. <laughs> Here we, I just, I keep coming back to this because I can't get over like the first few lines of this fucking movie (laughs) where they're like, we should have known number two, it's the second anniversary of his scarring. Like it's so, the the dialogue when he, when Batman first meets Chase Meridian and is with Commissioner Gordon is so bad. And then you're like, oh God, this is what the rest of the movie is going to be like. Mind you, this is while the credits are still happening. (laughs) Again, this is also, like, I know there's a cut of this movie that was a little darker. Like, the original opening was going to be Arkham Asylum. You can find it online. Because the movie ends with Arkham, with uh, Dr. Burton at uh, Arkham. And uh, he goes to check on Harvey at the beginning of the movie and sees that he's broken out. And it leads people to think there was a much darker version of the film at some point. I don't think that's true. I just think that maybe the studio cracked down on, like, some of the darker elements Today, hey, cut it out a little bit. <laughs> Batman Returns just like scarred them. They're like, no, yeah, no, yeah. my kids are still not over that fucking penguin doll. This is the this is the most reactionary franchise of all time. Oh God! Which gives me some hope for whatever is in the future. Because if it's the polar opposite of BVS, not that I'm like shitting on BVS right now. It's just that I the tone of that movie. I'm just I don't want superhero movies like that anymore. I just I want something. I want to I want to go back a little bit to this but done more slickly you know yeah okay so i have this thought i believe that Zack snyder is a fan of batman forever and i cannot place why i feel that can you help me with this i actually i no (laughs) okay nothing okay I, i just i feel it in my bones and i don't know why didn't didn't Zack snyder say that he would have had Batman raped in prison. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Though. I, that, that I, neither um, do his fans. That that makes me think that maybe he's got different ideas about Batman. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, some people who think he's a genius would probably agree with you. <laughs> that we don't talk about that anymore. No, no, that that, that he likes this movie. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, here's the thing about him. He said that he's never been fully let off the chain. Until he got the Netflix deal for his next movie. What's he doing for Netflix? He's doing that zombie heist film. Okay. Uh, which is... I've heard the, the the original draft, because it was supposed to be a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, his remake. Yeah. And uh, I've heard the that draft from back when is, like, atrocious. <laughs> and there's some real vile stuff in it. Like, not in an entertaining way, just, like, real gross that well, I heard about. Well, maybe, he, I, hopefully I he's matured as a filmmaker. I'm like, wake the fuck up! It's like, that's what I'm saying about, like, you know, once you've, like, lost your virginity to this fucking movie... I don't know. I, I think of Sucker Punch, um, which would be my example of Zack Snyder let off the chain. You know, with without people telling him how he needs to have structure, <laughs> or maybe. Well, that was supposed to be a rock opera. I know that's what's so weird. <laughs> I don't know anything it w- anymore. That, that wouldn't have saved it, but 
maybe would have gotten some good music out of it. You ever see Repo the Genetic Opera? No, is it good? Oh, man, that movie's so good. <laughs> One of those underrated movies ever. Fucking Should I double feature that with Repo Men? No. They don't, those don't go well together. Oh, okay. I don't know what would go well with, uh, you, you know what, maybe like Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, fuck yeah, I love that movie. So, like, because they're both musicals. Mm-hmm. But you get Paul Sorvino doing, like, a like dystopian science fiction opera. <laughs> like, it's great. And, like, Paris Hilton's in it, which is, like, pe- it, like tolerable, but <laughs> uh, it's a very, very, very bizarre film. Um, they fucking someone please let Zack Snyder do the Fountainhead. No, I want him to do it. No, no, not even in like a funny way, but just to see what he comes up with. I think that would actively be dangerous for like society. We got to do it now before we fully before we start really pushing socialist. (laughs) We got to get out. If it happens during a democratic administration, it's going to be bad. (laughs) It's got to happen under a Republican. Oh, so we still have like five more years. Yeah. Um, Ooh. Yeah, five years if Biden wins the nomination. Uh, two if two and a half. I mean, one and a half if Bernie wins it. Oh, oh God! Did he really? Uh, is he really pushing for it? Biden. Biden. Yeah, he's he's uh he was uh highest in some recent polls. Oh, fucking kill me! It's him fucked. and Bernie. Him and Bernie are like way ahead of the pack. God, Bernie's got some problems. He needs to start addressing better. But like fucking Christ, oh, no, yeah. like, there's none one of these people is going to get us killed. Swine are perfect, but not Biden. Biden ain't going to win. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all these people, we're, we're all fucked. Uh, I uh, we've talked about this on multiple episodes before, on completely different retrospectives too, but. How we've always talked about wanting to see Gotham with, like, that red sky from the animated series. It's in this movie! Yeah! I never saw that! I never realized it! That's because a shocking amount of this film takes place either during the daytime or at sunset. Yeah, but you know what? The sunset still kind of adds, like, a nice little mood. Because this movie does have atmosphere, but again, like everything else, it's just kind of weirdly placed or misplaced, you know? It's not really, like, evoking anything, like... Of importance, it's just kind yeah. of there. It, it feels big. It's got some bad early CGI. This is like the textbook example of when CGI like first went into use, and some filmmakers with no talent just thought they could drop it in anywhere. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it there's a lot of that in this film. Um, this is like one of the first ones I think they actually shot in a real city for a few scenes. Um, I believe that opening is like a real city, like not a set. Um, well, I'll kinda... say this. It... It feels bigger to me than the Burton ones. It does. Well, Burton always had the problem with just, like, fucking, like, one set, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, fucking Returns is, it's only Gotham Square. Returns, yeah. Returns actually feels smaller than Batman, which is weird. But, yeah, this feels more like a real city. Batman and Robin feels huge, but that movie blows, so. It feels huge because there's nothing to grasp onto. Just a yeah. bunch of shit, like, happening. Um... But I gotta keep. I keep trying to get back to the opening, so I want to talk about Tommy Lee Jones' introduction <laughs> as Two Face. I'm sorry, I keep going back to it. No, no, uh, no. By all means, Tommy Lee Jones was uh, notoriously difficult to work with on set. <laughs> um, it was a big problem. I believe he he, he pulled uh, Jim Carrey aside at one point and said, "I do not sanction your buffoonery." 
<laughs> Look for it out there. There's an amazing quote from Jim Carrey. I, I believe he's being interviewed on like the Howard Stern show or like the Norm MacDonald. And he, he said some amazing quote about working with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. And Tommy Lee Jones, I can't tell if he showed up and just like was like, I'm not going to try. Or if he was given bad direction or just given no direction and became lost. I know he only kind of did it for the money and because his kids like Batman. <laughs> like it was one of those. Because he doesn't bring anything to the Two-Face performance. No, there's there's nothing. There's not even like a real difference between like the Harvey side of it and the Two Face side. Well, of that's it. thing. Here's the there's this this fucking opening where he's got like a guard hostage, and he's given this killer monologue. <laughs> You're counting on the Winged Avenger to deliver you from evil, aren't you, my friend? Are you gonna kill me? Maybe, maybe not. You can say we're of two minds on the subject. <laughs> You're a gambling man. Let's say we flip for it. One man is born a hero, his brother a coward. Babies starve, politicians grow fat. Holy men are martyred, and junkies grow legion. Why? 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 Luck! Blind, stupid, simple, doodah, clueless! It starts off really cool, and then it just completely loses it, and he never, only briefly, just before he dies at the end of the film, does he come back to that. <laughs> he never brings oh. the Harvey side back. No, but I will say his death, well, while the actual event itself is, like, just fucking ridiculous, even for this movie. <laughs> um, the climax, and falls. the climax of this is so bad. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not good, but like um I I love the little full circle stuff that happens in in these movies. So like even something like this, uh, when the the coin almost lands in his hands and it's heads up, you know, I was like, haha, clap clap, yay! Like for no reason, just because that like fires off like some happy synapses in the back of my brain somewhere. Let me ask you. something. It doesn't work, but that's just me. Let me ask you something. I I'm, okay. I kind of zoned out towards the end because uh -huh. I was like I was really not enjoying it. So, <laughs> does Batman pull out a box of coins? Yes! <laughs> Where did that come from? I assume it was just in his bat belt. But, but it's like a box. I, don't, I didn't see a box, but I also wasn't like... For some reason I remember him holding like a shoe box of coins. <laughs> That's probably no, but... not what happened, but... <laughs> like i like here's the thing if it was like a roll of quarters like yeah that would make more sense <laughs> but uh i remember a box for some reason but no like like that kind of thing it does feel like at place in the 66 batman like oh he's flipping the coin to decide their fate so batman throws a bunch of coins that should work we also mentioned that the brilliant criminal uh psychologist dr chase meridian <laughs> Goes to Batman, you know, his coin and his weakness is his weakness. Like, yeah, no shit, lady. <laughs> like, oh, wow, did you stay up all night thinking of that one? <laughs> you know how, how they should have ended this movie? <laughs> so, 
when you know they drop off uh, Jim Carrey at Arkham Asylum, and uh, he goes outside to meet with Chase again. You gotta reveal that she's just like a crazy like fangirl who wants to bone the shit out of Batman. She's but then they realize that that's okay. She's lied about her credentials. Yeah, it's like you were not like well, was, a, a therapist. I was like, gonna say a psychologist. I, I believe she drops the whole like his coin is is his weakness line. Um, when she, like, she hijacks the, uh, bat signal at some point. Um, mm-hmm. so you could argue that, she, like, she knows it's bullshit, but she just, she's just desperately trying to get in the fucking, <laughs> get in that bat yeah. dick. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Again, I think that's the most, like, consistent through line in this entire film. She's the one with, like, an achievable goal, too. I mean, although she should, as a criminal psychologist, she should maybe pick up on the fact that Batman has serious intimacy problems. <laughs> And maybe she should respect that a little bit. Other than that, not wrong to have a fantasy. Also, the fucking, this whole movie, there's, once we get to the Robin, which we'll get more into, but, like, there's this, all this talk where it's like, getting revenge on Two-Face won't bring you happiness. And then Batman just fucking kills Two-Face. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just like, why? What was the point of any yeah. of this? And, like, we're also talking about in the beginning, he says... Like, that, like, they do bring up that they were friends, and he's like, you need help, Harvey. But by the end of it, he's like, fuck it, die. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so, it's so fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, because, like, like, the, him saying, like, you need help, Harvey, that's something that we haven't seen this Batman do for any of his villains. And, you know, it's a small thing that is admittedly brushed over motherfuck that this is the first time we've actually we actually see batman save a person (laughs) yeah like like it's like that's he saves vicky vale but that's because he needs her (laughs) yeah but like i mean all those those like ideas about him like trying to connect with people regardless of like what side of the law they fall on Mm -hmm. or like you know like people who do need help like like harvey dent and two-face like that's something you we we still don't see a lot in superhero movies. Mm-hmm. It's just it it's like awful that it's not like a normal thing. It's so ridiculous. This whole fucking movie. Speaking of ridiculous, when we get the the establishing shot on like Wayne Enterprises in this, which is like a giant dam building, which is cool. I I thought it was pretty cool, honestly. But there's a we're hearing uh, news reports. Um, and it's uh, Bruce Wayne's profit-sharing initiative. <laughs> Did you hear that? He's sharing his profits with all his workers. <laughs> so he's a good billionaire. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Those exist. I feel more comfortable with the state of the world now. Yeah, see, billionaires, they'll make the right decision. They won't hoard wealth. There's just a fucking picture of Elon Musk. That's not what his... the very definition of a billionaire is. <laughs> also, uh, I just gotta say, right up there with uh, Cordell... And, uh, fucking, <laughs> uh, Donald Pleasance beating Michael Myers to death. I would like to see a repeat use of the clip, uh. Oh! Oh no! It's boiling acid! Like, how much is, like, how much of that is, like, supposed to be funny, and how much of it is just stupid? It's, you know, the lines are blurred. Yeah. For even, like, the people behind the movie. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, to, 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 like, movie-making credit, that's kind of, like, everything. Like, boy, I hope this works. This doesn't, but, I mean, that's, like, all movie-making. Speaking of fantasies, um, this helmet that uh, Edward Nigma, the Riddler, um, creates, uh, 
It's supposed to kind of be like projecting. It makes you feel like you're in the TV show. Like that's basically it. No science or whatever behind it, but fine. Um, <laughs> and uh, so the Riddler, when he, when any, whenever anyone uses this helmet, the box he calls it, uh, he can tap into it. And you think, oh, that means he gets other people's memories, or he can like mind control people. No, he just he literally says, "It makes me smarter." <laughs> like that's the actual line. <laughs> There's nothing more to that. Like, it just makes him smarter. <laughs> what does that mean? What is smarter? What is knowledge? Does it make his brain bigger? Is he, like, expanding? Is his perception of reality greater? <laughs> no, he's just smarter. So that becomes his scheme to put these boxes in every home so he become he can become a smarter person. He also will use it. He teams up with Two-Face. We're really brushing over a lot because it just doesn't matter. He teams up with Two-Face because he promises that with the box, they'll be able to figure out the true identity of Batman because they'll get everyone's thoughts in Gotham. Like, honestly, I went into this, like, I remembered it as mind control, but it really isn't. Like, it's just stealing people's thoughts. Yeah, I mean, that, no, again, it just it just makes them smarter. We don't know if there's any real adverse side effects to people, you know? Yeah, like, what are the stakes eventually about, other than, like, they're going to find out who Batman is? Yeah, we, we see some zombified people watching it, and, like, you know, that could be like, oh, it's making people dumber. Like, that could be a thing, but we don't really see that in any capacity. It's, it's so ridiculous. First of all, it takes, like, two years to get a fucking product to go to market. <laughs> No matter how much money you have. Also, literally, his reason for hating Bruce Wayne in this is that Bruce Wayne's like, hey, I want to run this through some tests. And he's like, no, I want an answer now. And he's like, well, if you want an answer now, then no, we don't know what the thing does. <laughs> and that's enough of a reason for Enigma to be like, fuck you, Bruce Wayne. I'm going to take your money and I'm going to murder. I'm going to murder Ed Bagley Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love Jim Carrey in that scene, by the way. But riddle me this, Matt Garinko. How <laughs> did <you>. this become? <laughs> how did this become a template for superhero movie villains? I don't know. <laughs> it's lazy writing, is what it is. The Incredibles. The Incredibles makes a good point of it, though. At least Iron Man three is tackling different concepts entirely, but it kind of brush over this. Um, Oh, what the, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, again. Iron Man that, 3 that, makes, Electro. makes more sense when you realize it was supposed to be a woman villain. Yeah, like that, that, that ain't that ain't the writer-director fault in that yeah. one. Fucking. Um, just watch the movie and just pretend that that's what's happening. <laughs> um, but no, there's a lot. I mean, a lot of these plots are so incidental. Like, I believe in the next movie, Poison Ivy's reason for going after Bruce Wayne is just that she finds a vial that says Wayne Enterprises on it. Like, they're so arbitrary, it's it's bizarre. Like, they decide on these villains before making the movie, and then they just barely tie the plots together. Also, I gotta say, there's later in the film, uh, we get a m more advanced versions of the box, and it's brought to Gotham's Elite at a party. 
and people are brought into a room and then their innermost fantasies are broadcasts on televisions for the party go go goers to see. Um, am I the only one that sees a problem in that? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> like the things that would be seen that today. Would, yeah. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind experiencing that in the comfort of my own home, <laughs> but not in a public forum where everyone can see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see what's on your mind. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling too well. No. Actually, I'm going to go lay down away from here, I'm gonna, I'm miles gonna, away. I don't have a brain, so I can't use it. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it would come down to. Yeah, like, who, that would be the most awkward party on earth. Yeah. I mean, you know what, though, if we, if that device existed... I'm all for uh, civil liberties and shit, but we should force politicians to use it. <laughs> Just in case. No, you know what? That's how, that's that's a lie detector test right there. Yeah, it is kind of. That's what that would be for. I mean, it would still probably be like as like, you know, inadmissible as the lie detector test is cuz it doesn't work at all. Yeah. It but, would be a more accurate version. Yeah. Of it, instead of just like a a heart rate or whatever thing it is, right? Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, not literally a truth-telling machine. It's, it, honestly, there's the, the episode of The Wire where they use the fucking copier and pretend <laughs> it's a fucking lie detector. That's about the amount of science that goes into a lie detector machine. <laughs> Going down. If the bat wants to play, we'll play. <laughs> <laughs> Is that over the top? Don't work too late. Did you forgot the part where you kissed the girl. Now, truth always. Batman forever. So yeah, that was Batman Forever. Uh, yeah, that was that was a movie. It's, it's it's not a three and a half star rating, Matt. No, it's. Uh, I was optimistic. Yeah, that, that was you. I gave it two stars. Uh, you know what? I, I'd probably still give it a three, though. No. Three. No, okay. Understand that I gave Alita a week ago three, and my my yeah, my feelings have improved on Alita, and I consider three like a positive review. I wasn't like this in the film, <laughs> like. But this, when I when I see a movie that is bad, and it's just bad, it's not the worst. It's not Jurassic World or the Lorax. <laughs> it's it's just it's just a bad film. Uh. It, yeah, no, don't. This this isn't worth much. Um, I just I feel bad that these two movies failed so spectacularly that we we they've been afraid to embrace like stylism in any way. I just I don't know. Yeah, it's really too bad. Um, I I mentioned it earlier, but I was really drawn to like the surreal type dreamlike bat stuff. Like facing off again or coming towards uh, Bruce Wayne, 
Uh, I, I, I thought that was really that's actually a really good interesting. effect. Yeah, um, yeah and, and yeah, the bat looks pretty good. And it's the first but, time uh, we get that in these movies. And I think no, not the last time. That, no, no, that comes we, up a little we, later. It definitely comes back later. Um, yeah, but uh, I think it'll be a while before we see something like that too, or hopefully not. I we talked about it last time again, but like Aquaman, I think really knocked down the door for letting people just go fucking bug nuts. I hope, but, but if Deathstroke, we'll see. We'll is, see. if Deathstroke is still the villain of the new Batman movie, then don't count on it. No, I, th- I, they, they kind of, I think they kind of tossed Joe Manganiello on the sidelines. Which yeah, is too cause, bad because I like him. But I like him, but I hate Deathstroke. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I hate Deathstroke as a Batman villain. He's not like thematically that interesting, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's just kind of like yeah. a strong guy that can fight Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, whatever. Be smart about it and watch what you, the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Matt, where could the people find you? Um, I'm at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com and YouTube.
so much a man can tell me, so much he can say, you remain my power, my pleasure, my pain. To me, you're like a grown addiction that I can't deny. Now won't you tell me, is that healthy, baby? But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become a large and the light that you shine can't be seen.